Hello, welcome to The Gold Podcast and a very happy new year to all our listeners. I'm Mark Koskila and in this first episode of 2022, we'll be discussing some predictions shared with us by former Gold Podcast guests for what this coming year might have in store for the pharmaceutical industry. From new trends in the tech space to the future of Congresses, they've got some great insights to share and I hope you enjoy listening to them. But before we start, I'm delighted to be able to introduce you all to the new editor of Gold, Helena Beer. How are you doing, Helena? Thanks, Mark. Happy New Year. I'm very well, thank you. It's lovely to be with you on the podcast and I'm really looking forward to hearing from our previous guests and what they've predicted for all things pharma in 2022. I've had a sneak peek or a sneak listen, I guess, um, to some of them already and there are some really great insights. So it's going to be a fantastic episode starting our podcast year off as we mean to go on. Yes, it's absolutely great to have you with us. And I'm really looking forward to hearing your analysis of these predictions. So please take it away. Thanks, Mark. We have six sets of predictions. All of them are different, which is brilliant. And they really reflect the breadth of progress that the pharma industry has made and will continue to make over the coming year. It's such an exciting time in the industry. So let's get started by hearing first from Julie Ross, President of Advanced Clinical. Well, hello, everyone, and to the EMG podcast listeners. This is Julie Ross coming to you from um, the state of Wisconsin in the United States. Few predictions for 2022. Always a great time to think about predictions as we round out a year and and start a new one. Um, Prediction number one, decentralized clinical trials will continue to gain momentum the importance of decentralized trials is the ability for us to reach more patients, to put new drug um, assets and, and those that are in development in front of more and more patients across the globe. Speaking of diversity, I think that's the second prediction. Our clinical trials, I predict, will become more diverse. What do I mean by that? Today, we're developing products and bringing them to market that represent a very controlled set of of data markers for predominantly what has been a mostly Caucasian population. It is time for us to step up and approach diversity of clinical trials so that the products we bring to market are representative of all patient subsets that are using the product. We've seen some major advances in 2021. There will be tremendous movement on DNI in clinical trials as we get into 2022. And my last prediction is that we will begin using synthetic data, synthetic arms in clinical trials. I think we can really work to cut the cost of clinical trials if we start using data pools that exist today and decide what we're really trying to design in our trials with the patient's voice up front, look at what data exists today, and move forward accordingly. Certainly going to be an exciting year, especially as we're sitting in the world of the pandemic. I wish each and every one of you a very happy new year. Thanks, EMG, and I'm looking forward to spending more time together driving diversity, inclusion, and gender equality. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. 
As Julie says, the start of a new year is always a great time to reflect on the past 12 months and think about what could be on the horizon. I think she's likely to have got her predictions spot on there in terms of clinical trials. If the past year has taught us anything in that area, it's that decentralised clinical trials aren't just beneficial in terms of aligning more closely with real-world outcomes, but they're feasible. As with so many areas of pharma, the pandemic was a catalyst in this respect, and those remote trials that have been developed are long overdue. I don't think there are many people who would disagree with that. Obviously, this can only be of benefit in terms of diversity within those clinical trial cohorts, opening up access to the communities that might benefit the most from specific drugs. We published a brilliant article about decentralised and diverse clinical trials in the December issue of Gold, which will be linked in the show notes, and it's well worth a read. Moving on to our second set of predictions, we hear from Jennifer Kane burke moser Vice President and Global Head of Patient Access and Community Engagement at SOBI. As with Julie, Jennifer also briefly picks up on clinical trials, this time from the angle of patient centricity, which she says is the most important focus for the coming year. Hi, this is Jennifer Kane burke moser and these are my predictions for 2022 in the pharmaceutical sector. First and foremost, we will continue to see a rise in patient centricity and the rise of patient voice in clinical trial design, in treatment choice, in treatment monitoring, um, and that's very much driven by what we're seeing in the rise of digital health and how patients are being put in the center of design, um, of features uh, in digital health, as well as wearables. Those elements coming together are giving us raw data that allows um, the pharmaceutical sector, the healthcare sector, and patients to be able to really vote with their feet, have data in hand to drive those decisions. So I find it very exciting that every year we're seeing more of that. I think we're going to see an even faster acceleration of that in 2022 because of this marriage of digital and wearables. The second trend that we're going to see is a rise of public-private development partnerships. Now, we've seen a flurry of this through COVID drug and vaccine development, as well as in treating diseases, uh, neglected diseases and diseases in global health, specifically what we've seen for the past 22 years in malaria through drug and now vaccine development. I think we're going to see more and more of this across sectors, across, again, public and private entities, as well as across companies. It's just going to be the new way of working is that we're going to be collaborative through drug discovery and development. I think the third piece we're going to see, and this is very EU specific, is that um, as of 2022 in January, we'll see the legal full force of EU HTA coming into play. Now, we know that that doesn't take full effect until January 2025, but now that the European Commission is bringing that into full force in January 2022, we will see the beginning of this rollout, both in joint clinical assessments, joint scientific consultations, as well as horizon scanning. The Commission is currently appointing a commission that will be monitoring the setup and the rollout of this and will have its first meeting in June 2022. So I think this will have a, a lot of activity around consultations, uh, multi-sectoral consultations, patients, physicians, 
healthcare sector uh, stakeholders, as well as the pharma industry, about how those rollouts going to take place between the joint scientific, joint um, clinical assessment, married together with the member state assessment. So I think that's what's ahead for 2022. It's going to be a very exciting year. Stay tuned. And again, most exciting and most important is that we continue to remain totally patient focused exciting year ahead indeed and I think Jennifer is right that we're likely to see faster acceleration in terms of digital health and wearables in 2022. There's definitely an appetite for this kind of development especially as populations have become more in tune with their health throughout the pandemic and as we've seen from the tech that's already emerging the potential is vast. How the EU health technology assessment regulation pans out will also be really interesting, as Jennifer says, and I'm sure this is something that Gold will be touching on throughout the year. Next up, we hear from Kay Wesley, Chief Executive at Kanga Health LTD. My first prediction for 2022 is that customer relationships in our industry will become truly omnichannel for the first time. I think we've been talking about omnichannel relationships for years now. What they mean is that we visit customers, we talk to our customers, we have this face-to-face relationship, and then we pepper around that some uh, digital interactions, uh, which has been very good, but we've slowly been evolving and adding more and more digital stuff over the years. I think what we saw in 2020 was that actually we can engage customers entirely digitally We can interact through remote meetings. We can have a truly impactful and engaging customer journey going across digital touch points. We can actually design that journey in a meaningful way for our customers. And I think, you know, we've this idea that um, somehow digital is the domain of marketing. Marketing pushes messages out through digital and that the feel force of the people with the real relationship I think that notion is dead and gone now. Of course, some brands like Amazon, they've been having entirely digital customer relationships for 20 years. And many of us have huge loyalty to some of these other brands. And we can see that they deliver great customer service. They understand our needs and they give us what we we want when we want it. Uh, So I think the model is already there. Pharma in some ways was trying to emulate it, but this is just all accelerated. And I think this fear that somehow salespeople, key account managers and medical liaisons don't have a role in future, I think that's also been dispelled because you need people to engage customers in digital channels. uh, And those people can still drive those relationships, but they're just doing it in a different way. My second prediction is a simple one. We will reinvent the Medical Congress. Again, this started in 2020, Uh, when um, everyone panicked and said, help, all the Congresses have been cancelled, we need to do it online somehow, how are we going to do that? And um, many Congresses and companies started to try and emulate the traditional Congress format in a digital way, which I don't think worked. Um, So we saw things like virtual exhibit booths and virtual conference floors and things of that nature. But if you ask customers what they really want, why they go to Congresses in the first place, they they don't go to have a look, to walk through the Congress hall and have a look at all the big, shiny, expensive exhibition booths. What they go for is information. They go to get uh, 
data and information about new treatments, they go to get education, and they go to meet and share with colleagues. And many of these online congresses in 2020 didn't actually deliver that. They delivered a lot of push content uh, and a lot of annoying advertising through these virtual online booths and so on. So in 2021, we saw some slightly different approaches where we saw some more short webinars allowing customers to go into breakout rooms and have discussions. And we're starting to see some more innovative way to present uh, clinical evidence and new data, which is fantastic. And I think this can be developed further. So in 2022, I predict we'll see some real hybrid congresses going on, where really it's up to you whether you attend in person or remotely. And this might be due to distance or, or convenience. Uh, many customers will still want to attend in person, but a much larger number will want to attend remotely. And the Congress and the companies sponsoring need to think about what kind of interactions can we provide? Is it an e-learning format? Is it an immersive format to delve down into the data through sort of data visualization techniques? Uh, do I need to have uh, videos of uh, thought leaders that I can then stop and dip into the data and the evidence uh, and pause the video and then come back to listen to the speaker again? So are the different formats that we can provide which create an enriched Congress experience for those who are looking at it online and also an enriched experience for those who might be in the room the third thing is we will see the new normal of work continuing. We have learned in the last couple of years that people can work from home, they can work flexibly, they can be trusted to get on with their work and get the job done. Here at Kanga, we've always worked this way. We do have offices, but the majority of our people, both employees and contractors, work at home most of the time and we work entirely flexibly and it works. In our experience, if you trust people, they repay you in spades. And it also means that we have huge loyalty. So we have a lot of people in our group who stick with us after they become parents, after they take on other responsibilities, because we give them the flexibility to keep working and incorporate life and work together. And I think the wider world has learned to do that in the last couple of years, and long may it continue. There's a clear theme with case predictions. Hybrid is the way forwards, whether that's with office and home working, medical congresses or omnichannel relationships. I think this is a really positive impact of the pandemic. It's sometimes hard to put positive and pandemic in the same breath. But in this case, I would say it's true purely based on the opportunity it's offered particularly liked Kay's comments about hybrid medical congresses and offering delegates an enriched experience, as well as what she said about being able to weave digital touch points and face-to-face -to -face interactions together to offer more meaningful journeys for customers. As Kay says, none of this is particularly new. It's just a case of re-evaluating processes and giving them an all-important boost based on the learnings from the pandemic about what's possible. This idea of running with or embellishing existing strategies, products or trends, particularly in the pharma tech space, is echoed by Florent Edouard, Senior Vice President and Global Head of Commercial Excellence at Grunenthal Group. Good morning, this is Florent Edouard, Grunenthal Global Commercial Excellence VP. And I've been asked to share with you today two predictions for 2022. Um, so my first prediction for 2022 
is we will see a lot of jargoning, a lot of words being thrown around, a lot of new tech trends, because I think in the last two years, everybody has been focused on customer experience, on digital transformation, on all that stuff, and, and the new normal. And uh, now the consultants and the software company need to sell new stuff. So we will see a lot of new notions coming through, uh, m you know, mixing concepts like decision making, like intelligence, like data, like, you know, everything um, in kind of a patch, trying to invent what's going to be uh, the new trend that everyone can run after and make seminars about and say, this is going to be big in the pharma industry. Uh, which will just be, in fact, the same old stuff, but with a new lipstick on the pig. Um, my second prediction for 2022 is probably more important, is we will see the rise of the communities. We will see people who have spent the last two years being in lockdown and developing new networks through voice, through video. And those people will find that this can survive the pandemic and this is an efficient way to learn and this is an efficient way to work. So I forecast a rise in the video and chat informally across people and you can already see it in the Gen Z way of learning where actually they learn more from the community they are part of than from the teacher, the school, or the parents. And I think this trend is going to come to the business and it's going to come to healthcare as well, specifically for HCPs, and, but also for our own workers in our companies who are going to search, rather than the opinion of their boss, the opinion of an expert from another company that they know and they have met on a social media platform. So those are my two predictions for 2022. Thank you. Thank you, Florent. A fabulous set of predictions there. I think discussing the rise of communities and networks through video and chat functionality is really interesting, particularly from that angle of collaboration. We heard Florent refer to the benefits of cross-sector working and cross-sector influence, and there's a huge amount of opportunity there. It's something we've certainly experienced here at Gold and EMJ, our parent company, over the past couple of years. Jennifer also touched on collaboration earlier in terms of drug discovery and development. And I think this is just a concept that can only increase in importance going forwards all across the pharma sector. Our penultimate guest is our very recent podcast interviewee, Chumi Kurana, Vice President and Prostate Franchise Commercial Leader at Janssen, and we'll hear from her now. Dear listeners, as the Global Commercial Lead for the Prostate Cancer Organization at Janssen Pharmaceuticals, I work with teams that are on a mission to treat and potentially cure this deadly disease. The second most commonly occurring cancer in men and the fourth most commonly occurring cancer overall. The past 20 months marked by the COVID-19 pandemic has very few silver linings. One of them is the increased awareness around the importance of disease prevention. With 2022 predicted to still be impacted by the pandemic, the somewhat diminished but ongoing stay-at-home lifestyle has actually increased the opportunity for men to be more introspective, especially regarding their health. Moving forward, I do think we're going to see greater self-care and self-awareness coming from men as they look to not only deal with health problems as they occur, 
but be more proactive about maintaining their health on a long-term basis. The pandemic has also forced us to seek medical care in different ways as face-to-face -face appointments with HCPs were not available. Online and other digital solutions have become the rule as opposed to the exception. Now that live interactions between physicians and patients have returned, I think we're going to see a hybrid approach to healthcare with even greater emphasis on digital access to information and actual healthcare. I believe 2022 will see increased use of how we are accessing and applying data to make sure the right medications are getting to the right people. Whether our physician visits are face-to-face -face or virtual, we will become more dependent on digital solutions to ensure men, as well as women, are getting the best possible care. Chumi picks up on so many of the themes already discussed by our guests in terms of digital solutions, hybrid approaches, and the increased use and application of data. But I think her discussion around the importance of disease prevention is perhaps most of note. It's safe to say, I think, that men are less likely to acknowledge illness or seek help with their health from general practice or pharmacy compared to women. In fact, research from the Men's Health Forum found that in the 20 to 40 age group, women attended general practice twice as often as men. And the National Pharmacy Association estimates that women visit a pharmacy on average 18 times a year and men just four times a year. So a huge difference there. As Chimi highlights, stay-at-home lifestyles have allowed men to be more introspective about their health using self-care measures and becoming more self-aware, which is a really positive development. Also, I think anecdotal evidence suggests that talking about health has become more socially acceptable during the pandemic and people are more likely to seek help as a result when things don't seem quite right. So this highlights the need to open and sustain channels of communication with men. And where Chumi focuses on the future of men's health, our final guest, Karen Lashem, Chief Executive Officer at Ocon Healthcare, turns our attention to women's health in 2022. I predict that women's health will continue to grow as a segment in diagnostics, devices, and drugs. I also predict that more and more women entrepreneurs will join the femtech space with incredible ideas and more women-centric approaches. I'm hopeful more venture money and investments will go into women's health. I think Karen's right. I don't think there's any doubt that the women's health market will continue to grow. There have been so many advancements in recent years, particularly around fertility and reproductive health. I'm sure there's much more to come there and hopefully also in areas that are less prominent for women at the minute, such as cardiovascular health, where we see a considerable gender gap. Women are twice as likely to die of coronary heart disease than they are of breast cancer, and yet this isn't widely known. It's quite shocking to hear that fact. Um, heart problems tend to be seen as more of a men's health problem, which means, echoing Jimmy's point again, that while disease prevention is important, it's often overlooked. There's so much potential there with the right investment, of course. It's also great that Karen referred to more women joining the femtech space. There's been such a big push for women in STEM over recent years, and hopefully that momentum continues for pharma as well. Gold recently had a great interview with Tamika Jean-Baptiste, the Vice President and Chief Diversity Officer at Amgen. Again, this will be linked in the show notes. Um, and she talked about the need for female representation in this space, as well as the work she's doing to create systemic change and push for an equitable experience for all, which is brilliant. Long may that continue. And on that positive note, I'll hand back to Mark. And that is sadly all we have time for in today's episode. 
Thank you to all our guests for sharing their predictions with us and a big thank you to you for listening to our first episode of the year. And of course, thank you, Helena, for your gold podcast debut. We're looking forward to you joining us more on the show over the coming weeks and months. Thanks, Mark. Yes, it's been brilliant, hasn't it? For all our listeners, do remember to rate, review and subscribe if you haven't already. We have a new episode out every Tuesday with more fantastic conversation. But in the meantime, why not check out the fabulous articles, interviews and more in our sister publication, Gold Magazine, at emg-gold.com. All the information you need is in the show notes. They certainly are. Until next time then, stay safe and goodbye for now. 